reality off of what we see in Acts chapter 2, this church that has been formed from a a group of people that were lost but now have found they know what they're supposed to be doing and as a result of them knowing now what they're supposed to be doing, they begin to do what they're supposed to be doing. We know that in Acts chapter 2 they learned what? To be devoted to what? The teaching. They learned not only to be devoted to the teaching but they learned to be devoted to the fellowship. They learned to be devoted to the breaking of bread and they learned to be devoted to prayer. The four pillars of a church, the principles of a church, things that we should stand on as believers. This is what we learned in Acts chapter 2. Somehow we found ourselves in Acts chapter 3. So if you can get your Bibles, go with me to Acts chapter 3 because on last week, what we discovered in the first part of Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, in the first part of Acts chapter 3, what we discovered is there was a lame man sitting at a gate, and this gate was called Beautiful. This lame man who was sitting at the gate, the gate was called Beautiful, he had been this con- in this condition since birth. He had been in this condition since birth. He, he was unable to walk since birth. And what had happened, what happened on a regular day is that the people, his friends, his family, they would pick him up. And instead of taking him into the temple to pray, they would take him to the front of the gate and sit him at the gate. They would take him to the front of the gate, sit him at the gate. And while he's sitting at the gate... He had one thing to do, is to sit there and beg for alms. He's asking for help. He's asking for charity. That's what he does. Because of his position, because of his disability, he is in a position where he now has to beg people for help. We know the reality, if you were here last week, that he didn't have to beg people for anything. Why? Because God had more for him than he could possibly ever imagine for himself. God was able to fulfill his deepest desire without him even able to be being able to speak on that desire because what happened after this move this day of Pentecost everything that had taken place Peter and James or Peter and John go to the temple and as they're walking to the temple what happens this man sees them and he begins to say what hey give me some money give me some help I, I, I need I need something And the thing is that Peter looks at him and says, man, I have nothing to give you. I have no silver and gold to give you. But what I do have to give you, I will give you all through Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And in that moment, what happens? He he grabs this lame man. Peter grabs this lame man by the hand, lifts him to his feet. And as a result of him lifting him to his feet, the Bible says his ankles and his feet were strengthened. His ankles and his feet were were strengthened. I want to pause there before I even get into my message and read the text for the day because his ankles and his feet were strengthened. Something was broken in this man's life and as a result of it being broken, it's not functioning properly. He was unable to have the best life that he could possibly ever have because his ankles and his feet were weak. His ankles and his feet were weak, which was the problem of why he couldn't walk. Why he couldn't do what he wanted to do. So I really, the reason I wanted to pause here parenthetically is because I want to make sure that you understand that as it relates to when you expect God to do something in your life, it does not always mean that God has to give you something new. When we look in the text, his ankles and his feet were weak. He, he was disabled, but God didn't say, let me give you new ankles and let me give you new feet. See, sometimes we're asking God to to give us something different when all we needed is for God to strengthen what we already have. I I don't know if y'all understand that. That that blessed me when I looked at that because what it made me realize, I don't have to ask God for new members. I just need God to strengthen the members that I already have. 
I, I don't have to ask God for a new job. I just need God to strengthen the job that I already have. See, some of us are steady asking God to replace something that God has no plans on replacing. But if he doesn't want to replace it, it doesn't mean that he won't repair it. See, some of us have to realize that our marriages are broken. They're weak. Our relationships are broken. They're weak. But instead of we're asking God to strengthen them, we're asking God to replace them. We need to spend time and just let God's will be God's will. And so here he is. He's asking for money, but he can't get any money because they have no money to give him. And, and But when they give him, they give him all of it. And the Bible says instantly his ankles and his feet or strengthen. I don't know about y'all, but I just feel like saying strengthen me. Whatever it is in my life, I just need God to strengthen me. Forget what I've went through. Forget what I've lost. God strengthen me right where I am because I know if I can just receive a touch from you. I know about it because there was a woman that had an issue of blood that all she had was a touch. And as, as it relates to that touch, that touch made her whole. If I could just receive a touch from God, then my life too can become whole. We should put ourselves in a position to receive what God is trying to give us. So this man receives this miracle. This man receives this miracle. He is touched. And as a result of him being touched, he is healed. And as a result of him being healed, what takes place now is what I really want to talk about. Us being strengthened, us experiencing a miracle. So what takes place after that? Let's go to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Let's look at verse 9 and 10. Acts chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. If you can stand with me, if you don't mind, I, I would appreciate it as we honor God's word. Just repeat after me as you're standing. Say, Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. And renewing me a right mind so that I will do. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, Amen. <laughs> Amen. Acts chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Here it is. It says, and all the people saw him. This is after he has been lifted up. After he has been lifted up, his ankles, his feet are strengthened. He's getting ready to walk into the temple. Catch this. The Bible says, and all of the people saw him walking and praising God. And they were taking note. Catch this. They were taking note, y'all. They were taking note of him and being the one, as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple and beg for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. For a moment today, as we kick off this new series, I want to kick it off with a topic that's simple and something that you can retain that simply says, stay connected. Stay connected. You may be seated on today as we get into this word of the Lord. Listen, in order for to talk about what do we do after a miracle, we first have to really have an understanding of what is a miracle. What does it mean to experience a miracle? And, a, and the basis of a miracle is very simple. A miracle is when we receive what would be impossible for us to achieve without the help of God. A miracle is us receiving something that would be impossible for us to achieve without the help of God. See, some miracles are some uh, some miracles are huge to some of us. Some miracles are small to some of us. But at the end of the day, they're yet still 
miracles. And because we experience something from God, there's always something we have to do in return. I don't know if y'all caught that. My mom and dad used to tell me all the time, when somebody gives you something, you have a responsibility to use two words that some of our children don't know how to use today, and that's simply to say, thank you. You have to appreciate them for what they have done for us. Through our actions, there's a way that we can appreciate God and say, thank you. And so over the next three weeks, four weeks, however long it takes to get through this series, I want to make sure that we as believers are equipped to be able to say thank you when we experience a miracle. I can't help it. I'm excited to talk about a miracle on today because I don't know if all of y'all know. I text most of y'all, but this week, you know, pastor has worked for himself for seven weeks, uh, I mean, for seven years by himself. And just recently, I, I've taken the, the desire to get back into work, number one, to help my family, number two, to be a part of building this church and doing what God wants us to do. So I, I went and looked for jobs. I went and looked for jobs, and, and I found one job that was perfect for me. At least I thought it was perfect for me. At least I thought it was perfect for me. The hours were perfect. The money was perfect. All of these things were perfect. It didn't require too much work. You know, after seven years for working for yourself, you just don't want to really work hard for somebody else. I, I thought it was the perfect job for me. The truth of the matter, it, it, I didn't get the job. I was, I was great. The people loved me. I, I, to this day, I don't know why they didn't hire me. I mean, if I had to hire myself, Dan, I would hire myself. I mean, I, I was just that good at performing on that interview, performing on that driving inspection. I was just that good. They even said I was that good. So when they call me and they say, hey, at this time, we're just going to wait. And I said, well, can you tell me why I was disqualified? Well, there's no reason that you're disqualified. Actually, we're just going to hold on, and, and maybe we'll call you in a couple of weeks. We just want to look at some other candidates. I'm going to tell you, I got upset. Can Pastor be honest? I got frustrated. How are you going to have a good thing and pass over this good thing? I know some of y'all women know what I'm talking about. When a man know that he had a good thing, but as a result of his behavior, he didn't pass over that good thing, you, you get kind of upset about how you, how you just not going to appreciate what's been in front of you right now. You want to wait until you look at some other folks when you got the right thing right in front of you right now. So I got a little frustrated. I got a little flustered. I told him, I ain't looking for no more jobs. God wanted me to work. He'll make it for me to work. But what I failed to realize is that three weeks before I went on that job interview, somehow on social media, another job opportunity, somebody reached out to me about a, a position at another company. And me being stubborn, not wanting to work in a particular field, I don't mind driving trucks, but I'm not dealing with trash trucks. I, I just don't want to be stanky anymore. I don't want to go through digging, dealing, digging with ditches. I don't want to go, uh, no offense back there, uh, uh, Brother Les, I, I don't want to deal with ditches. I don't want to deal with dirt. I, I, I don't mind. I, that's not my thing anymore. But here it is, uh, three weeks after the fact, I look into the job. I, I just put in the application. I just said, let's, let's see. Trash trucks, I know they don't pay well. They, they, people always think my wife used to make me my clothes and shoes in the garage when I came home. I, I don't, I don't want to go through that anymore. That's not what I want to do. But yet and still, I went on this job interview. I went on this job interview, went into this job interview, expecting to end up being a truck driver, expecting to end up to driving these roll-off trailers around the city, working on construction site. I, that's, that was my expectation. This, this is all this job has to offer me. This is all life has left. This is my trade. This is my skill. This is my fallback. This is what's going to happen. Get there, and the thing is that we think oftentimes we know better than God, but we, it's not until we give into God's will that we know that God knows best at all times. 
I get there and apply for this job as a driver, and the thing is that I come to find out that this company is a young company, five years old. They're five years old. Yes, they're looking for drivers. Yes, they need drivers. But more than needing a driver, they needed an administrator. They needed somebody that knew the skills of driving that could lead their drivers into being successful and productive, that could help the company save money and, and be, be the company that they knew they could grow and thrive to be. This is what the job needs. And listen, for me, that, that was just perfect because that means I don't have to get dirty every day. I can get dirty some days, but I don't have to get dirty every day. So I went ahead and I went to the meeting, and the thing was we had a great meeting, an hour-long interview, wonderful, wonderful interview. And after all that was said and done, they said, well, hey, can you come to work on Wednesday, I was like, hey, I will be here, no problem. Went and took my drug test, went to work. And y'all know when y'all get them jobs that you know just it's just the right job, you don't ask how much I'm getting paid or nothing. You just jump straight in and you just getting to work. And so I was just so on this high and I was feeling good. I jumped straight in and I worked for three days straight and I just realized I don't know what my money looking like. <laughs> we, hadn't t we hadn't talked about, about none of this. So I told them on Friday, I said, listen, man, before we go any further, I need to know uh, what I'm getting paid and, and, and what exactly is my job description because they had never they had never gave me official title. It was still up in the air. Am I going to be a driver? Am I a driver, supervisor, transportation supervisor? What was going on? And they said, well, hey, let us get back with you and meet with you. I had worked all Wednesday, all Thursday, and all Friday, and now I'm sitting here waiting to say, if you're going to pay me, these folks will give me $3 because we didn't come to some type of agreement. And I need to find out what it is that's going to happen. And so what ends up happening is they call me back and they say, hey, we, we love what you're doing. You put some great policies and procedures in place. You've helped us save some money on some purchases and different things already, things that we never thought about, we never looked at. Say, could you help us by being an administrator? You could be actually the number three guy as a part of our team. Uh, you would report straight to the two owners, and it would be you. You're over all of our transportation, all of our fleet. And all I could say is thank you. That's, that's all I can say out of my mouth to God is thank you. Here it is that I have been by myself for seven years creating opportunities, places of employment for myself and for other people, and now I'm going back. That's a bad thing in corporate. When you have been out of the corporate world, you have no verifiable history for seven years, and you are now trying to get into an administrative position, I want to tell you something. Everything in your life that you think is a failure is oftentimes a setup for success. I, I want to promise you that because I want to realize something, that God told me that I would do something for a season. It would be my responsibility to function to O's program. Everything that I learned in that season, I now get to apply in a position. I don't know what the future holds for me, but I know whatever it is, if God thought enough about me seven years ago to prepare me back then for what he wants to do now, all I can do is say thank you. God at least deserves a thank you. And so what I want to make sure is as believers, what do we do after a miracle? I don't know about you, but that's a miracle for me. For me not to only get a job that quick, but to get a type of job that I'm looking for, a job that doesn't interfere with the church and the church growth, a job that allows me to be on salary. I can come and go as I please. I can do whatever I need to do. And a job that doesn't require me to be so stressed where I can't study when I get home, a job that still allows, that is a miracle for me. Why is it a miracle for me? Because it's something that I received that was impossible for me to achieve without God. And as a result of it being something that I see that was impossible for me to achieve without God, I have to have enough common sense to be able to say thank you. 
And so this is what I want us to learn is how do we say thank you? How do we as believers give God the credit that he deserves? Well, first thing that we have to look at in this text is that in verse 9 through 10, uh, the man is, is healed. He's healed and he's walking into the temple. As a result of him walking into the temple, the thing is that everybody is taking note of him. Everybody is watching him. Everybody is observing him because they remember who he what? Used to be. Yeah, that, that's the part I, I like, the remembering who, who I used to be. It was so funny, after I got my job and I came home, and even though I, I've been Bring, I've been doing a little thing here and there to help provide for my family. I had money in the savings that, that went depleted, all of these things. When I got a job and I got home, my wife, she was in the kitchen. She was cooking because she was happy. Her man working. Ain't nothing as beautiful to a, a woman as a man working. And, and so she was happy because she knew that her husband wasn't stressed. He wasn't frustrated anymore. He had something else to occupy his mind. And so I come in, and the first thing I did was kick off my dirty shoes. I slid on in the kitchen. I say, baby, your man then went from a zero to a hero overnight. And I, just, I was just messing with her because what? I remember who I used to be. I hadn't even got my first check yet, but I remember for the last three years I've been sacrificing my checks. Now I don't have to sacrifice anything extra. I get to bring some more into the house. I remember who I used to be. It's something good about when God blesses you in such a way that people look at you and all they can do is think about who you used to be. They don't mind looking at you because they're looking at you and standing. You quit worrying about your haters because all they're trying to do is figure out how did you get from that to this. And that's the same thing that we have to understand in our life. When God works on our behalf, it's not for us to act funny with people, but it's for us to be in a position so that they can observe us and wonder, how did he get from that to this? How did he grow so fast? How did he get into a relationship so quick? How did, how did his life change? How did he become so stable? How did he get so much? Other, how did things change in his life so quick? These are the perfect moments that all of us need in our lives when God works a miracle. Pastor, why are you sharing this with me? Because I want to let you know something. Most of us, the biggest problem with us is when God does something in our lives, we start acting funny. This man, when God moved in his life, he did the one thing that nobody else would do for him. He moved into that. He went into that gate. People had been sitting him at the front, at the cusp of the gate. But he gets up and he moves into that gate. He moves into that gate. Why? Because he wanted people to see him. When God blesses you, you don't need to start deleting numbers out of your phone. Some of those people need to see you. When God blesses you and, and you see a couple of haters, don't, don't delete them off Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Some of those people need to see you. Can you imagine if I deleted every church member that ever lasted, left our church? I wouldn't have no Facebook friends on Facebook. Some of them people need to see me. Some of those people need to see what God is doing because the truth of the matter is some of those people didn't think that I would amount or we would amount to anything. That, that's the truth. Look at the limitations that the people put on the man. All he was worth was sitting at the gate begging. That's all he was worth for them. 
And as a result of that, they never took him into the temple. They never prayed for him. They never prayed with him. They said, your life will be limited to this. As a result of that, why not walk in front of them with your head held high, knowing who you are and what you're supposed to be, what God has called you to do? This is one of the greatest things that I love about the text is that when he was healed, he didn't go home. He went straight into the temple. We have to realize that it is our responsibility as believers to stay connected. When God blesses us, the first way that you can say thank you to God is by staying connected. One of the first principles that I want you to understand is that your connection is a reflection of your commitment. This is one of the greatest things that you need to understand about being a believer. Your connection is a reflection of your commitment. What do you mean, Pastor? Look at verse 11. Verse 11 of the same Text, Acts chapter 3, verse 11. Read it in your Bible because it's not going to be on the screen. While he was clinging to Peter, what was he doing? Clinging to Peter and John. And the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. So the portico of Solomon is like a porch. It's a porch that they met him as he was getting ready to enter into the temple. They met him at the porch. But guess what he was doing? He was clinging to who? Peter and John. Why is this important? Because it shows us that his connection, uh, by staying connected, he was committed. Who was he committed to? He was clinging to who? Peter and John. Why was he clinging to Peter and John? Because Peter and John was a reflection of who God had used to bless him. God had worked through Peter and John, so therefore he was clinging to Peter and John. I want you to understand what I'm saying. Why? Because sometimes when we experience a miracle, instead of clinging to that which has blessed us, guess what we do? We let it go. How many times have you seen people be blessed? They come, they come to church, they're broken, they're disgusted, their marriage is falling apart, their finances are jacked up, nothing's going right in their life, and they spend some quality time at church, and they get they stuff, they come to the hospital of healing, they get themselves fixed up, bandaged up, stitched up, and it seems like when things get right, because they came when a man left them, and when, now when they got a new man, they want to leave the church all over again. It seems like when things get right, when, when things are strengthened in their life, what do they do? They release themselves from that which was part of their lives. We as believers, if we want to truly honor God and say thank you to who God is, we have to be willing to stay connected. And part of staying connected is making sure that we are connected in a manner that shows and reflects our commitment to God. By staying connected, we are honoring God and saying thank you to God for what he has done in our lives. It's very important that you understand that when your life changes, when God begins to move and transition things in your life, the first thing that you should not do is leave the church. The first thing that you should not do is put your Bible down. The first thing that you should not do is stop praying. Imagine everything that we learned that a church is about, the believers are about. They're about getting connected to the teaching. They're about getting to, being a part of a fellowship. They're about breaking bread. They are uh, about praying. These four principles somehow are the first four things that we let go once God fixes us. The first four things that we say, you know what, I'm done with once God heals us. Or if nothing else, we don't stay consistent in it. Because what? I'm all right now. This man says, I'm all right, but I'm going to stay connected. I'm going to continue 
to cling to these individuals. I'm going to continue to cling to these individuals. Dealing in verse nine, dealing in verse uh, 11 again, understanding why does he cling? The first part, he clings because it's pleasing to God. Why is it pleasing to God? Because his connection is a reflection of his commitment. There's a second part of why he clings. I want you to understand this. I want you to receive this and rock with me and roll with me. The second part of why he clings to these people is because connection builds character. Connection builds character. We have to understand that. So if he stays connected for reason number one, to be pleasing to God, the second reason that he connects is because it benefits himself. By being connected to who? Peter and John. Who are Peter and John? They're disciples. They're apostles, walkers with Christ, those who God had used to heal him. By being connected to him, it strengthens his character. Sometimes we have to realize that we have to stay connected and committed through the process of everything that we're doing because it strengthens our character. It makes us better believers. It makes us a better individual. It, it makes us better in our relationships. I know some people that uh, had went through uh, uh, our Marriage Matters course when we had it. It was great. They came to Marriage Matters. It was things were breaking apart. It, 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 it seems like their life was over. They wasn't going to get. They wasn't going to be a part of it anymore. Uh, but they came to Marriage Matters, and we were playing games, doing pain, all type of things. And it seemed like it was helping their their marriage. And they get to a place where everything is good, and and they they can they can operate. But what happens? They begin to say, you know what? I don't want to go there anymore because I don't feel like talking. I don't feel like opening up. I don't feel like working with other with other couples and things of that nature. So I don't I don't want to go anymore because we're in a good place now. The only reason we were going because we were in a bad place. But now that we're in a good place, I don't have to go anymore. And as a result of it what begins to happen? Their marriage begins to spiral out of control again. Why? Because that was the one thing that they had that, was, they, they, that reminded them that they needed to work together. They needed to work things out. And because they released themselves from it, things fall apart. Maybe y'all don't understand that. Some of us are not married. I have an issue. My only issue that God has ever given me in my life that I think is is my allergies. I, I, I don't care what season it is. I'm always sneezing. It's always a problem for me. Eyes are always red. It doesn't work good for me. I sneeze so hard, it feels like somebody's sticking me with a bunch of needles. My allergies are that bad. I used to have to take a steroid shot for my allergies. Now, I don't like medicine. I'm sorry. I don't like taking pills. I don't want to swallow anything. I'm good. If it's not food and it doesn't have barbecue sauce or ranch sauce on it, it's not going to work out to my favor. And so my wife, she, she, she is the pill packer of the house. And she's always trying to give me some pills. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to take these pills. God will work it out. Give me a hot towel. Everything will be cool. I mean, cool myself down. And she always wants, to take, wants me to take these pills. So there are a period of time that I take my pills. I will take my pills. And I will take them for a seven-day period of time. She got me one of them old folk things with the pills in it. And so I have to pop that thing up and take my pills. And so I'm taking my pills. I'm taking my pills for seven days. After seven days, it'll go. And I don't have any allergy problems. I don't have anything. I can cut the grass and not sneeze. I can go outside and play with the kids, and I'm, I'm good. So what do I do? I, like everybody else, stop taking my pills. I'm good. I don't need my pills anymore. And what happens? Instantly. The problem happens again. And see, I always read the allergy pills as allergy relief. When my allergies start acting up, it gives me instant relief. That, that's what I felt like it was supposed to happen. But when she explained it to me, she says, no, you don't understand. You have to keep this in your system. You have to keep this on, in your system on a regular basis. And I said, well, that keeps kind of expensive, keeping this in my system on a regular basis. But she says, if you don't want to be sneezing, if you don't want irritated eyes, this is what you have to do. 
You have to go through this process. It builds my immune system to whatever it is that I'm allergic to. That's the same way as believers, our connection builds our character. Because the truth of the matter is some of us, all of us really, we ain't good Christians now. We all got something that we need to be working on, whether it's our lying, our stealing, our canaving, our backstabbing, our talking about people. Ain't now person in this place perfect. We all got some issues, including myself. That's why we use the we word, not y'all, but we all have some issues that we all need to work on. This is why we need to stay connected with one another, because if you don't realize, some of you don't cuss in church because of who you're connected with. Because of who around you. Now, when you leave here, your mouth might be like a sailor. But when you connect it, it's just some things that you don't do. There's people who have issues with smoking that want to stop smoking. And the only time they don't smoke is on Sunday when they ain't church at church. And let me tell you something. If you can stop on Sunday when you're at church, that means you can stop any other day in your life. We all have issues. But what it is is that because of who we are connected to, how we are connected, it allows us to grow stronger. I want you to understand something. The Bible says that he strengthened his ankles and his feet. He strengthened them. But guess what? If you've never learned to walk, it doesn't matter how strong your ankles and your feet are. When someone is in a bad accident and their body has been healed, they still have to go through a period where they having to be taught how to walk all over again. Why? Because it's a process. This is why he clean to... Peter and John, this is why he clinged to them, because he needed their assistance to do life. We need each other to be able to function in life. We need to be able to reach out to each other for help. We need to be able to reach out to each other for direction. When we don't have each other, sometimes we make bad decisions. We make the wrong decisions that put us in the wrong situations, and we end up with the wrong outcome. If we want to really say thank you to God, we have to be willing to stay connected. Why? Because staying connected shows God that we are committed. Because staying connected builds our own character, which benefits us. But there's a last and final principle that we understand through the clinging to Peter and John. That last and final principle is that our connection, it's the ultimate principle, our connection draws a crowd. Our connection will attract a crowd. Why? Do we say this? Because the Bible says in that same verse, verse 9, he says, All the people saw him walking in and praised him. And they were there talking, verse 10, they were there taking note of him and being, being, the, being the one who he used to be, as sitting at the gate of beautiful. But catch this in verse 11, while he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran to who? Them. Your connections will draw a crowd. Who you're connected to will naturally draw people to want to be a part of your life, to see what's going on in your life, how things are happening, how do you get this outcome because of what you're connected to. It's not about him being connected to Peter and John. By him being connected to Peter and John was a representation that he was connected to Christ. Because Peter and John were operating under the authority that Christ had given them him, themselves. And so as a result of that, when God did something in his life, it naturally drew people towards him. I want to leave you with this as we close on this because the connection bringing a crowd is very important. Why is it very important? Because God never does nothing for you that he's not going to get the glory out of from you. 
it's just that simple. God does great things. But I want to tell you something. Our God is a selfish God. Whenever he does something, he does it because he, his main goal, his goal has always been the same since the beginning of time, that man would love, honor, and respect him, that man would be in a relationship with him. So when God blesses Brother Dan, he does so so that Dan can be a living, walking example that when you live and do what I'm asking you to do, I'm going to bless you. He does so that so that anybody that is connected to Dan will naturally see that something's different about Dan. I'm using Dan because you know what? We've had some conversations with me and Brother Dan. Brother Dan has told me about who he used to be. And, 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 and Brother Dan reminds me all the time that when people look at him, they can naturally see a change in him. They see that he's not the same person that he used to be. And as a result of that, they, they sometimes may mimic him. They sometimes may, may, may try to jug at him and wonder, are you really changed? And Dan is able to stand firm in his faith and remind them, no, this is who I am now. I don't do the things that I used to do. And as a result of it, people then be like, man, well, how can I get that? See, that's the whole premise of why God blesses you. God blesses you so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. Not so that you can just give to other people, but so that you can be put in a position where people can be blessed to have the same level of relationship with God that you have. That's our, multi that's our main responsibility. Why is this a problem for us as believers? Because what happens is, again, back to the beginning, when we get blessed, instead of connecting with people, we begin to disconnect with people. That's what happens. We change our phone numbers. Uh, we change our name on Facebook so people can't find us. We do all of these little things to cause ourselves to disconnect from people. We, 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 we stop coming to church. We, we was one of the main ones getting up at the front of the church asking for prayer every Sunday. Now that things are right, we, we, we start disconnecting with people. We don't come to church because we're perfect people. We come to church because we're broken people that are being strengthened by what God is doing in our lives. And as a result of it, you should come to church, gain knowledge, grow stronger, apply that knowledge to your own life so that what? You can go back to your community, you can go back to your family, you can go back to your job, and you can be the light that you're supposed to be. It's amazing. I've only been on this job four days. I've only worked on this job four days. And everybody already calling me preacher. Everybody already, when I, when, I, when I walked into the office, initially they was cussing. Now they watching their mouth. They, they not cussing. Uh, young dispatch lady, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cuss around you, Pastor. I'm going to have to come visit your church. Totally fine. Whatever it is, because naturally I don't allow my environment to change me. I change my environment. As a believer, we have to change our environment. This young man, we don't know his name, but we know that he's a lame man that was sitting at the gate. He changed his environment. Why do we know that he changed his environment? Because people were sitting there leaving him at the gate. Now people are running to meet him at the gate. They're running to meet him. I love this because you know what this shows? That the Bible is true when it says the last will be first and the first will be last. I've learned that I don't always want to get ahead and be the first in line anymore. I'm okay with being the last now.
I'm okay because I know that somehow God is going to turn that thing around for me. Uh, if he doesn't move me to the front, he'll move the line to where we now are not going one way. We got to go another way. And anybody knows if you ever had to follow in line, Maddie taught me this the other day, Daddy, it's okay for me not to be the line leader when we go because I can be the line leader when we come back. It's just that simple that sometimes we have to stay in our place, in our position, and connected long enough so that God can bless us. And what happens is as a result of us not remaining connected, we forfeit the opportunity to be blessed all over again. Because God is not just in the business of blessing you one time. He'll bless you multiple times, over and over again. I I had the opportunity uh, to talk with uh, a young lady that owns this facility, Miss Betty, this morning. And one of the things that we talked about was how sometimes in life it seems like you're not getting ahead. Sometimes in life it seems like, like no matter what you do that's good, it seems like you're never where you want to be. You're never doing what you want to do. You're never becoming who you envision you becoming. One of the things that we both agreed on and we both discovered is simple, is that you know what? God is always blessing us But the thing is, with every blessing comes a burden. It's simple as when the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. If I had to look at my life from now and look back seven years ago, I could be frustrated and say, you know what? Why do I have to go back to work after I invested everything and everything that you told me to do? Why can't I always, why can't I just keep doing what I'm doing by myself? But technically, if I compare the me now to me back then, I am in a much better place financially, emotionally, spiritually, now, relationship now than I've ever been before. You know what the thing is? That as God keeps blessing me, the burdens just keep getting bigger. And that's something that we have to accept is that, you know what, many times that we get blessed and things, and things begin to burden us down, and as a result of it, we want to stop going to church. You can't do that. You can't do that. Why? Because church is what's going to equip you to come over the next obstacle. This is why you have to be ready for your next blessing, because the minute that a burden shows up is an opportunity for God to work another miracle in your life. Another breakthrough moment in your life. This is what we're trying to get to. So if you want to learn, how do I tell God thank you for the things that, I, that he's done in my life? First of all, you have to understand what is a miracle. A miracle is you receiving anything that you can't achieve without the help of God. Well, if nothing else, we all wake up every morning. You're receiving a breath that you didn't make for yourself, and you can't achieve that without the help of God. We are all recipients of a miracle every day. And if we want to realize that we are all recipients of a miracle every day, it should put us in a place that we should be willing to say, God, thank you every day. Well, what is the first way I can say thank you? The first way I can say thank you is simply by staying connected to who you are simply by never turning my back on you want a reason to do better you don't have to have a kid you want a reason to do better you don't have to have a man the reason for you to do better is because you owe it to God if no one else why because he worked the greatest miracle in your life through your through his son Jesus Christ the greatest miracle given his son why so that you can have everlasting life and why do we choose to disrespect that which has blessed us Why do we choose to be like an ungrateful kid and not say thank you? If we begin to realize that we have a responsibility through our relationship with God to simply honor God, 
We want everybody to honor us. We want our spouses to honor us and not cheat on us. We want our bosses to honor us and give us raise. We want all of these things to honor us and work, but we won't even honor God. Imagine what doors could be open for you if you just began to honor God. This is my prayer. This is my stance that from this day forward, you will begin saying thank you to God by staying connected to God through his word, through his prayer, through his fellowship, through your giving, all of these things, you will begin to say thank you to God for what he's already done, not worrying about what he's going to do, but being thankful to God for what he's already done so that you can begin to receive even more. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for all the things that you've done in our lives. God, we thank you for how you've blessed us. We thank you for the miracles that you've worked in our lives, the things that you've shown us over and over, God, the things that we didn't even know that we could receive. God, we're praying in this moment right now that we have a passion and a desire to say thank you for all that you have done and so that we can stay connected to your will and your way. God, we pray for every believer in this place right now, for those who have accepted you, that they remain committed to you. God, we pray for those who have not yet accepted you as the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ that, Father God, they give themselves unto you and they realize that all they have to do is confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that you have truly given your son so that he could die for our sins and he, raised, he was raised from the dead and he lives today and they will be saved. God, we pray that they have a heart to confess those things right now and give those unto you. God, we pray that as we move forward that, God, if there's people who are here who have you given a heart and a desire to be a part of our church and to stay connected to our church, then, God, we pray that they move on that heart, on that push. Now, we want to build your kingdom, but we want to build your kingdom with your people. So, God, as we prepare to leave here, leave this place today, we pray that we honor you and, glory, and glorify you through saying thank you. Let us be a living, walking example of who you are in every way. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Listen.